What's up everybody and welcome to another episode of Wrestling With Jonas. This is episode 26 and today we're going to be covering off WWE Elimination Chamber from Sunday night. And we're going to be talking a little bit about what's happened on Monday Night Raw from last evening and looking ahead to WrestleMania. Um, before we get started though, just a little bit of a plug for myself just so you know where to reach out to me on social media. You can email the show if you wish to. Just simply email wrestlingwithjonas at gmail.com. Uh, you can get in touch with us via Twitter at with Jonas underscore pod or on Instagram or Facebook simply search wrestling with Jonas and uh, we usually have quite a lot of fun quite a lot of conversation on our Facebook community page um, so we'd love you to be part of that and someone who knows all about um, the wrestling with Jonas community page is uh, David Anderson so David Anderson is back with us you may remember he uh, helped to review the War Rumble episode a few weeks back so welcome back David lovely to have you back on the show good to be back Yes, well, um, today we're going to be reviewing Elimination Chamber and we'll get into that very, very shortly. But before we do, uh, you was at uh, quite an interesting wrestling show on Friday night, I understand, um, Rev Pro. So um, do you want to tell us a little bit about your experience at uh, Rev Pro? Because there was quite an exciting main event, I understand. Yeah, certainly. Um, I mean, obviously, anybody who knows me knows that I wax lyrical constantly about their uh, Rev Pro. And, you know, I call it my local promotion, even though it's in London. But uh you know, the quality speaks for itself, and that's why I make the journey. But this was another great show, I thought. But um, a lot of people online had complained because there'd been a lot of uh, changes to the card and, you know, people having to drop out for one reason or another. But mm. on the whole, uh, I thought it was a, a really good show. and I, I enjoyed the um, main event with Park and Osprey, which is obviously why most people were there. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, it, it went a little bit of a funny direction um, with the finish which I won't spoil for anybody who hasn't watched it on demand or you know whatever way they're watching it and but it, it was still a, a, a very exciting uh, match and it was about you know can you top this kind of thing I think the Osprey <laughs> was almost challenging Pac to, you know the, up his game but uh, it, it was really back and forth and Pac obviously played the um, the more heelish character of the two and willing yeah. to go that bit further yeah delivered some moves on the uh, rampway and, and stuff like that and was taunting the fans and not giving them what they wanted always, but typically healing it up, which was fun. But uh, the whole card, I mean, going back to the earlier matches, people were were not very happy with some of the replacements. I heard some, I mean, what do you believe, the complaints about Angelico or Angelico or however you want to pronounce yeah. it, but uh, I enjoyed it. I mean, he's kind of been supplanted by um, El Fantasmo as everybody's favourite flyer, but it was good for what it was. And Josh Bodum, who was his opponent, was, uh, you know, always up for the usual heel malarkey that he likes to uh, bring him and Shaw Samuel. Shaw Samuel was, was actually sent away from the ring, but uh, he came back and... Uh, and had an um, effect on the outcome, shall we say, and uh, that wasn't the last we saw of either of them for the night, but again, a good opening match, and uh, the next match, the the besties in the world versus, um, I think it was Team White Wolf, I hadn't seen much, if anything, I think I might have seen Team White Wolf one time before, but this match needs to be seen to be believed, it was a really great indie-style, high-spot, you know, wow match, and... Uh, you know, lots of back, and actually the besties reminded me a lot in the style of, and even the look of um, the Motor City Machine Guns, right? Which uh, is no bad thing, and some of the double teams were quite, quite similar to them, and it was a again a case of can you top this? A very high flying, very uh, innovative and progressive, you know. So another good one uh, for fans to watch and uh, look forward to if they want to check it out. But the whole con, I mean, as I say, people say I always say to people get yourself down to Rev Pro and the first thing that comes out of the mouth is it's such a long way to London and all that and I say look from if you're 
travelling from the northwest, it's two hours on the Virgin train, and yeah. then you've got like 20 minutes across to Bethnal Green, and it's worth the journey. You, you can't explain to people until they've been there the experience of Rev Pro, but once you've been, you never have to sell it to them again, to be honest. Yeah, no, it, it sounds like a, a fantastic um, a fantastic show to go to. I've not been to a Rev Pro show myself. I'm going to my first Progress show in March, and I believe you're going to be at the, the same show as me yeah. in Birmingham, but uh, haven't been to a Rev Pro show, and I definitely want to make that effort. And even for me, it's going to take a, a couple of hours to get there from, from Wiltshire. So, um, you know, but, but like you say, once you're there, once you've experienced it, definitely, experience. definitely worth it. It's not it. even just the card. It's, it's the Rev Pro experience, the, the yeah. venue you, you're called. It, obviously, it has to be the right card. You don't always, like, trail down for a cockpit show or something like that. It's, you know, the New Japan joint shows with them are always top draw. So it's definitely worth the journey. Definitely. Okay, well, uh, thank you for that. Before we get stuck into Elimination Chamber, I just wanted to touch on uh, one or two uh, news items. So yesterday, uh, that it was announced that uh, Degeneration X, DX, are going into the Hall of Fame. Um, mm-hmm. So this has been uh, widely reported on the WWE uh, Network, on the WWE website, and across uh, Facebook, Twitter. Um, what, was your, what was your kind of initial thoughts when you saw this, David? DX going into the Hall of Fame. And, and of course, it's got uh, um, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, X pack uh the, the road dog billy gun and of course china so china yeah. has a little bit of a, a checkered personal past but uh, what I were think, your initial thoughts on that i think my um initial reaction was twofold one thank god they're putting china in because people will stop complaining now <laughs> yeah. uh you know uh, whatever you think of china and stuff she was an integral part of the uh, generation x when they started i'm not a huge fan of hers to be honest with you but you know um you couldn't really put in the rest of the x without her she was you know yeah. a founding member but of course obviously other other people's problems with it was no rick rude so I don't know if he's going to be added in, you know, later on, or it's just going to be a surprise or whatever. But you know, you always get the, the naysayers, whatever. You know, if you, the damned if they do and the damned if they don't. Sometimes some people were saying, you know, put Hornswoggle in there because he was in the <laughs> the at one time as well. But and then obviously for me, um, Shawn Michaels, you know, he, he's my yeah, boy. He uh, everybody knows it, and. Uh, uh, you know, uh, he's, he's getting in uh, for the second time, just like Ric Flair, two time. So, um, and the group totally deserves it. I saw one person online, I think, commenting that they're the most overrated group of all time. But I think, you know, <laughs> as, along with Austin, they were really the reason that, you know, WWE bounced back in the Attitude Era. So, uh, I, I don't really know how anybody comes to that conclusion, but they're definitely worthy of going in. You, you, you know, the. It's this this whole being greater than some of its parts, whether you like um, you know, the original DX, which I preferred the heel DX, and then you had the marketable more fan favourite DX in ninety eight when Triple H was in charge and and then you had the various versions after that. But I think, you know, most people most fondly remember the ninety seven and ninety eight versions. Yeah. Um uh, but you know there's certainly a worthwhile inclusion into the Hall of Fame well absolutely and, and just to touch on one thing you said there about the Attitude Era quite possibly without Shawn Michaels and Triple H in the in early incarnation of DX and their antics and their behaviour we might not have had the Attitude Era that we fondly remember to this day exactly exactly I, I don't know how anybody could discount like their contribution towards you know the bounce back of WWE and the Monday Night Wars you know the, the there is uh, you, you think of the Monday Night Wars you think Austin you think Rock you think DX you know the, the, even the Undertaker and Kane and every all of that you know yeah, very good. So let's have a close look at uh, Elimination Chamber, the pay-per-view. And the first match to kick it all off was the Women's Elimination Chamber match. Um, now, that featured uh, Sasha and Bailey, the Iconics, 
Sonia Deville and Mandy Rose, their name was Fire and Desire. Tamina and Nia Jax, the Riot Squad, who were Liv Morgan and Sarah Logan, and finally you had Fabulous Glow, which of course is Naomi and Carmella. So we, we, we had all the entrances. Um, Mandy and Son Sonya starts the match with Bailey and Sasha. Uh, Mandy Rose got her foot stuck in the structure before getting uh, involved. She was uh, had a neck breaker um, yeah. by Bailey on the padded surround on the outside. So what I found from this match was it was uh, quite a, a high octane start, lots of action. Uh, there wasn't kind of much rest and it was very, very fast paced. Uh, what, what was your kind of thoughts as the match got started, David, on this I, one? I, I think, to be honest with you, one of my initial things that I noticed, which I liked uh, as well as you mentioned, you know, the giving them the proper team names and whatnot, is mm. everybody looked like a team, you know, and they had they their, their matching outfits and, and whatnot, but it, it was a good pace set. They were trying to do new things. Uh, I, I did enjoy um, when uh, the Iconics managed to uh, steal that little double pin then you know everybody says they can't oh, yeah. wrestle but that was a nice little sunset flip Jack Knife pin combo and then I noticed after that every up, up until that point no team had bothered to do double pins and then after that they were, they were all trying it but yeah <laughs> And, and then you saw the the post probably I put up on Facebook yourself that you know Mandy Rhodes everybody does that comparison <clears> uh, yeah but I thought she kind of held things together in many parts you know and I think she sustained a bit of a mouth injury or something just before the spot where Sasha does the double knees in the corner but um you know she she seemed to work through quite well and I thought she was there for all the spots and she looked good so you know yeah and and, and uh, there was a few lulls in the action and stuff and you know and obviously um, they were very favourable and the bookend towards uh, Nia Jackson Tamina, who came in very late and did very little, really. But uh, they were there for what the you know the monster heels is the way, and, and it was a bit of a, a, a kind of funny dynamic in the fact that you only really had two phased teams, you know, one of which was eliminated fairly early, and you, you had four of our heel teams. So it's basically that um, you know uh, Sasha and Bailey were working up, uphill, but uh, they overcome the odds, didn't they? Definitely, yeah. Well, I mean, there were some key spots in the match. Uh, there was a, a Tower of Doom spot where Bailey. Uh, caught the rough end of that move but that was quite an impressive uh, impressive move there uh, the Iconics uh, were, were the, the second team in and they promptly destroyed uh, every team in the ring with uh, Peyton Royce connecting with a, a boot to uh, the face of Bailey after a somersault over the top rope so, but they did go to town and they did kind of lay a bit of a beating on all the teams uh, that yep. were in, in the ring at the time uh, Naomi and Carmella entered the, uh, entered the ring next and performed uh, Bronco Busters on each of the teams in all four corners of the ring um, every wrestler in the got their moves in like you said there was uh, plenty of suplexes plenty of strikes uh they, they all got they all got their moves in so i thought that that was quite good yeah i did like the Liv morgan spot where she basically did what um cory referred there was a diamond dust which was assisted yeah. by sarah that was a nice little move and there was a lovely move that i fought by sarah which i don't think i've seen her do before in that way where i think when either sasha or bailey would boost it up in the air and she caught them with a headbutt on the way back down which i thought was you know quite a physical move that you'd expect to see the men doing but to see her doing obviously she's got that sort of um you know rough and ready um forest type gimmick going on but um you know from the the wildlands of wherever but um yeah. you know I, I thought that was a really cool impactful move and it's nice to see the women wrestling like wrestlers and we've lost that day of you know the scratching and biting that we were discussing last time so yeah definitely Definitely. So, so as you mentioned earlier, the Iconics got the first pinfall on Naomi, um, and, and you described it better than I could, but it was a kind of a double-team uh, pin, pinning combination yep. on Naomi. Uh, Tamina and Nia Jax were the last team to exit their pods, um, and they basically let out their frustration on all four teams, but the match did kind of slow down from that point. Mm. Um, the Iconics were next to be eliminated after a double Samoan job uh, 
Samoan drop from Tamina and Jax and uh, Morgan and Logan uh, they executed a dive from the top of one of the pods onto which the uh, opponents underneath which was an excellent move uh, yeah. the riot squad were eliminated next after a Samoan drop from Jax and a top rope splash from Tamina which was quite an impressive combo there uh, Nia Jax goes charging into Bailey only to fly through one of the pods herself uh, and then Banks and Bailey hit a meteora and then a top rope elbow combo um, we, and then everybody bundled on to uh, Tamina uh, to eliminate uh, her and Nia Jax from the match. So that that was quite good to see everybody yeah. just ganging up on Tamina and uh, getting rid of her and Nia from the match. Uh, yeah. Sasha Banks um, and Bailey uh, nearly had the match won with a backstabber and a belly to Bailey for a close near fall. And, and Mandy Rose nearly wins the match herself after her bed of roses finisher on Banks, which I uh, say just goes back to your point earlier regarding Mandy Rose. And people, yeah. just, you know, pe- people don't appreciate that she's really grown in the ring. And not only does she look great, her gimmick is developing, but she, but her yeah. uh, move set is developing. She's turned into a pretty, you know, half decent wrestler. Is that what they're calling that move? No, I didn't even realize they were calling the Angel's Wings move the the bed of roses. The bed of roses. So uh, and it doesn't sound it doesn't sound exactly like uh, devastating, <laughs> but maybe they can come up with a better one. But it, it works for now. I suppose I, I did what I did like about that double dive by the Riot Squad yeah. is you know usually when you get a dive on the outside, you know yourself, you you can see everybody gathering together and they're exchanging little weak punches. But the you know you had Naya and uh, Tamina fighting with Bailey and Sasha, and the, it looked like they were just concentrating on that. So you didn't. Uh, you weren't looking for that spot as much mm. when they came off. It was like quite smoothly done, I thought. They're up on that pod and the camera sort of cuts down a little bit, so you're concentrating on the fight. And then as they turn around, that's when they come off, which looked really good, I thought. Yeah, definitely. So, But the end of the match comes when uh, Sasha Banks eventually wins the match for her team with a modified bank statement. Obviously, her arm was injured from earlier on in the match, Fantastic. so she had to uh, kind of <laughs> hook the neck of, uh, of her opponent with her leg. Uh, so a modified bank statement for the win and uh, quote-unquote the first ever WWE tag, Women's Tag Team Champions uh, forgetting uh, everything that happened in the late 80s with Jumping Bomb Angels and uh, all of that. I, I think Bev mentioned, <laughs> mentioned them either that she night did. or on Raw, but um, I, I think what helped make that was Bev when you know she was getting quite emotional and obviously mm. they were and they were a bit at the loss for words because I know Bailey audibly asked Sasha if she had anything to say because she couldn't get her words out. But, yeah. um, you know... It, it was it was a historic moment, but I, I noticed also I'm sure we'll get to it. But on Raw they were a bit that way as well, so it made me wonder True. if that if that was the original plan for it to go ahead and then beat the inaugural champions. But you know it, it was um, it was a bit of a strange one because you you would have expected on the first night for them to be a little a, a loss um, for something to come up with that was kind of historic to see it. But the next night you would have thought they would have been a little bit more prepared. Yeah. That was just something I took away from that, but maybe I'm just reading more into it than there is. But what I found with the kind of uh, emotional speech after their Elimination Chamber win, um, it, it did kind of make the title scene quite important from the off. So, you know, it, yeah. it did, you know, instead of them... It did its just, job. It did. It really did its job. And it did uh, show, you know, how important the, the championships meant to those two. And like you say, uh, Beth, Beth uh, Phoenix and uh, all of their predecessors. But to the match went 30, 34 minutes. And I thought it was a solid opener. I thought it was a very good match to kick off the show. And like you say, you know, there's obviously a difference between the way the females are portrayed now and the way the wrestling matches uh, go now compared to, I don't know, let's say 10 years ago. Um, And they really kind of, you know, do put on some of the best matches on the card um, every pay-per-view now. Yeah, the fact that, you know, fans are just realistically asking for, you know, the women to close 
a pay-per-view or a, a Raw or whatever that shows how far they've come in the last few years. And, you know, more power to them. Long may it continue. Right, moving on to patch, match number two, we've got The Miz and Shane McMahon versus The Usos for the SmackDown Tag Team Championship. So there was a little bit of um, a, a dilemma from earlier on in the week where Jimmy Uso got arrested and there were some rumours that he, you know, that they may or may not be in the match at Elimination Chamber. Um, but, uh, yep, they were here and I thought this was another good match for what it was. So prior to the match starting, The Miz came, comes out onto the stage with wife Maurice and they announce that they're having another baby. Um, so this event Eventually worked its way into a little bit of a storyline after the match, but um, Shane uses a brogue kick in this match, a float over DDT and gets a near fall off of that move. Uh, Shane nails a coast to coast on Jimmy Uso, uh, and then he attempts the second one on uh, Jay uh, on the opposite corner, but gets hit in midair with uh, with a super kick for a close near fall uh, from Jay on on Shane. So uh, a quick start there, uh, Shane getting all of his um, all of his shit in as per normal. He, he, he's, he's like he swore. I believe it. <laughs> he's, like, he's, like, he's like the human version of a video character, a video game. Um, you know, if you were to invent um, a, you know, a wrestling character from scratch, um, you'd, you'd pick all the good moves and uh, this is what Shane's done to his, his own real-life wrestling persona. Um, but, uh, they, I mean, they're quite a, a good start to the match. And um, what, what did you think about this match uh, going into it, first of all, Dave? Well, first and foremost, you made me watch a Miz and Shane McMahon. <laughs> Shame on you. But uh, it was, you know, I'm, I'm, again, not the biggest Shane McMahon fan and you know what we're expecting from you're yeah. going to get the high spots the leap yeah. of faith elbow the coast to coast uh, the DD, and he did two uh, float over DDTs actually yeah. but um, um, you know uh, it was I actually enjoyed the match it was quite decent I'm, I'm not huge on Miz as a face but it's probably not going to last long but because um, he does work a lot better as a heel, you know, he's got that type of face, he wouldn't get tired of punching. But, um, <laughs> and, you know, the finish, I never expected, um, uh, you know, with, as you previously mentioned, the little bit of a hiccup for um, Naomi, and, yeah. and I noticed that that also affected, going back to the last match, uh, Naomi got a bit of a mixed reaction when they broke out the pod and she hit like a crossbody off the ropes, and mm. there was a bit of a sort of um, 50-50 reaction on that one, but... Um, yeah, I really didn't see that finish coming. I, I definitely thought um, Shane and you know Miz were going to go over, but um, it is what it is. And good for the Usos. I, I love them as a team. I never used to be a fan of them when they were doing the more um, you know yeah. doing the Cimitaro dance and everything else. But now they've added that um, street edge and everything. They're a really competent tag team, and I'm, I'm glad to see them back on top. Um, where we go with Shane and. Um, is from here I'd imagine is going to turn into a Wrestlemania match but I did enjoy the match for what it was I thought it was fairly fast paced and uh, you know there wasn't really any lulls in the action mm. and I enjoyed it yeah definitely and one of, one of the spots that I really enjoyed was uh, uh, you mentioned it earlier Shane's leap of faith from the uh, top turnbuckle uh, through the table nailing uh, Jey Uso uh, I think it's through the American announce table so um, the, the Ger German announce table survived on that occasion and then <laughs> the Miz hits a skull crushing finale um, but, but it's pulled over over in like a crucifix pinning a maneuver by Jimmy and uh, Jimmy Jimmy uh, pins the Miz for the victory and I think six times uh, tag yes. team champions so uh, uh, yeah a, a fun little match and uh, well done the Usos there um, but um, yep yeah, so the Miz did look genuinely uh, remorseful after the match uh, which makes me think you know could he possibly stay the course as a baby face and maybe Shane might do the turn heading into WrestleMania a few people have mentioned that yes 
Yep, so that, that's a possibility. Uh, then backstage, we see an interview with Bobby Lashley and Leo Rush with uh, Dasha Fuentes, or as I like to call her, Dashabot, um, asking Leo if, uh, if he is the weak link of the team. If Leo Rush is the weak link of the team, uh, Leo says that uh, uh, no one is as strong as uh, and as dominant as Bobby Lashley and Leo Rush. Uh, Bobby is the stake and Leo Rush is the sizzle. So I quite enjoyed that line. But heading into the match, it's a handicap match with Bobby Lashley, the IC champion, uh, teaming up with He's, he's his manager of sorts, uh, Leo Rush versus Finn Bella. And this was a, another fun match. Uh, Bobby Lashley dominates the match early on with some strong knee strikes uh, to Bala. Uh, Bala strikes back with an enziguri to Lashley before dumping Lashley over the top rope to the outside. Uh, Rush trips Finn Bala up in the ring, uh, but runs uh, into Lashley, who drives Bala into one of the barricades at ringside, then into the, the, the side of the ring. Uh, Leo Rush gets tagged in quickly, but then tags out to the uh, bigger and stronger Bobby Lashley without taking any punishment on that occasion. But then Leo Rush does tag himself in towards the end of the match um, after a huge slam on Bala from Lashley. Um, last, la sorry, Leo misses a frog splash. Um, Bala hits a sling blade on Lashley before nailing um, a tope over the top rope onto both of his opponents. And then Bala smashes Rush into the corner with a drop kick before ending the match on the 10 minute mark with his coup de gras. So um, 10 minutes, new intercontinental champion. It seems a long time in coming, but Finn Bala finally has another bit of gold around his waste in the WWE. Yeah, it's a, a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because a lot of people would like to see Bala um, move up the more towards the main event spot or close to it. Um, and Lashley, I feel a little sorry for because his Intercontinental title reign was cut short. My only issues with the match was obviously like um, Bala couldn't seem to gain any traction with when he was in the ring with Lashley, but as soon as Leo Rush was in there, he, he was portrayed as not being uh, Bala's equal at all despite his athleticism and speed. It was like, uh, oh, I'm, I'm overconfident and you know I can I can I've got this and I can sort this no problem and he kept coming unstuck constantly you know so yeah. um I would like to have seen Rush be a bit more competitive and I think that would have made for a, a bit more of an exciting match but it was still fun for what it was I enjoyed it it's a shame for Lashley I do I mean Lashley was a, a, a bit bland as a face and I think the heel character is helping a little bit better than you know, the almighty bit and all the rest of it and the flexing and all that yeah. it's given him a little bit more depth than he had maybe a little bit more talking and obviously Leo Rush is there to do that for him but it's the same as the Lesnar Heyman um, gimmick to an extent that one can't really talk so that he's got the mouthpiece there which is all well and good that it's you know as Heyman says himself accentuating the strengths and hiding the weaknesses but Bobby's never going to get better unless he's given the chance and I don't know if he was any better in TNA because I didn't see enough of him there but it, uh, you wonder where Bobby Lashley goes from here because it seems that he's gone back into the group thing and you know just being a thug and whatnot so We'll yeah. have to see where it goes from here. Well, I, I know. I mean, I, I saw a little bit of Bobby Lashley in TNA, and he, he, he can pull out a half-decent promo. He was um, he was praised on some of his promo work in TNA, so I don't know why he's not being given more of an opportunity. But uh, they obviously are, are, are kind of utilising Bobby Lashley's strengths, and talking may not be his biggest strength. Um, but Leo Rush and Bobby Lashley, I thought, made quite a fun combination. There was a, a little uh, angle at the end of the match where Lashley attacks Leo Rush um, to seemingly put an end to their friendship, although 
they appear to be back together on Monday Night Raw 24 hours later. So uh, with with very little acknowledgement to what happened um, on the Sunday night. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens here. But you're quite right. Uh, Lashley uh, did appear later on in Elimination Chamber, which is a match we'll be covering very soon. He did get, get gets involved in the Braun Strowman and Baron Corbin match. But um, I, I, I'm quite a big fan of Leo Rush. I've seen him wrestle a few times. Yeah. I, I caught him at Access in New Orleans last year and uh, he did very well there. Um, I, I, I love his character. I love his, his cockiness. I think he can play uh, a face or a heel, to be perfectly honest with you. It'd be nice to see him get a little bit of a run, maybe, um, on 205 Live. But, um, yeah, like I, say, I think he does just as well as a, as, a, as a sideman for Bobby Lashley or somebody similar to that. So I think he's one to watch. He's, he's, got, he's got a lot of skill, Leo Rush, on the mic and in the ring. So I think he's got a bright future ahead of him. Definitely, I totally agree. He's got the intangibles that a lot of other cruiserweight-style wrestlers don't. He can talk, he can fly, he's extremely fast, which makes him very exciting to watch. And he's somebody that I could imagine, with the right book and obviously um, do really well on the main roster. There's no language barriers or you know um, stigmas attached to him, really. And he's so young, it's just nothing but upside with him. Absolutely. So then we get footage of uh, Becky Lynch attacking Charlotte at a house show on Saturday night. And then uh, Charlotte uh, then attacked Becky Lynch's injured knee with a steel chair. Um, a great addition to their storyline and a house show of all things, which is a, a great advert for house shows, especially with live attendance dwindling. Um, I mean, we've all seen the pictures at, uh, at Raw and SmackDown of one side of the arena being uh, being empty and all we can see is chairs from top to bottom. But um, uh, like I say, back in the, the 80s and 90s, their house show business was through the roof. And in the last few years, it's really dwindled. So I think if they... I mean, one suggestion that's been put forward is to put, uh, you know, live shows, house shows on the WWE Network. You know, they've got cameras at pretty much every show they go to anyway. They don't necessarily need commentary. But I think something like that would uh, bring a bit more attention to house shows. And uh, I know they're doing well financially in other areas of uh, other areas of, of their portfolio. But, um, I mean, I'm guessing you've been to a few WWE house shows in the past. And they've always been quite good fun, certainly in my experience. What do you think, David? Yeah, I think um, the thing is, is that... Um People have a sort of sense that older fans definitely of inevitability, especially in this country when it comes to house shows. You're not going to really see anything that's going to affect the storylines, mm. um, which is a shame because, I mean, years ago, as you mentioned, when the business was up, you would often see title changes in this country. Well, not often, but, you know, enough to keep people's interest, even yeah. if it was just a, a mid-card team like um, the Men on a Mission winning them out. I was there for in 94, I think it was, um, when they beat the... Um, the Quebecers for, and it was a, just a you know a caretaker reign, but it it got people that oh I've got to come back to this show because you never know who's which title might change hands. But now it's you see that I mean like oh this title is not going to change hands. It's a world title match. It's it's not going to happen. But AJ Styles won his title over here, so you know yeah. if they can do that type of thing and keep people interested. The, uh, I, I don't really know what happened with Raw, which we'll get to, you know. But it, it seems that I think some fans have become a bit entitled, maybe, or, or they've just got so much choice now compared to back in that time that uh, they sit on the hands sometimes at these shows which is a shame because a, a lot of wrestlers still like a Samoa Joe or a Kofi Kingston or whoever um, still put the effort in at these house shows they don't just phone it in so uh, I don't know what the 
the answer is right now, but I think a little bit more excitement and unpredictability, as you mentioned to the Charlotte and Becky thing at the house shows, yeah. maybe help bring the business back. Definitely, definitely. So so back to the pay-per-view, and there's a, an in-ring uh, interview with Charlotte Flair. Uh, she said that uh, life's good when you're Charlotte Flair, and uh, she's going to WrestleMania. She said that uh, Becky got herself suspended because she cannot let it go. She panders to uh, for your attention, and Becky Lynch needs your approval. And when she looks in the mirror, her reflection gives her all the love and approval she needs. Uh, she's talking about herself, of course. Uh, Charlotte then calls herself the very best uh, on Raw, on, Sm- on SmackDown, or even anywhere on the WWE. She finishes by saying that she'll be sitting ringside tonight to see who she'll be facing at WrestleMania uh, to main event against the Queen. Um, so quite a good promo there. I, I, I'm a big fan of um, Charlotte Flair. I know she's probably not your number one uh, women's wrestler. We know Tony Storm is your is your number one there, David. There's no no. <laughs> but um, Charlotte Flair, she is a phenomenon. I remember when she started in NXT several years ago, and um, she, you know, she she didn't have a background in wrestling, despite her, you know, father being the Nature Boy Ric Flair. She was more into gymnastics and other athletics, um, but. Uh, she really is, I, I think, possibly one of the greatest female wrestlers of all time, um, even yeah. even now. I, I definitely think uh, I, I, I was a fan of uh, Charlotte. I still am to an extent. I, I just think there might have been a little overexposure at one point, or people thinking that. But it, it, it lends itself to the character, doesn't it? This entitlement, yeah. and you know, the I'm the queen. You know, if she didn't do that, then it, she wouldn't be that character. And she's healing it up a storm at the moment, and it's yeah. exactly what she needs to do. You know, that you need that dynamic. Yeah, Becky's the one that everybody wants to get behind. Um, you know, unfortunately, Ronda not so much. People are being a little bit hard on her given her experience level as she you know she's got a long way to go promo wise I, I think she shows continuing improvement in the ring as she displayed you know uh, recently and on raw as well but um everybody's where they need to be you know um and and charlotte you know as you said yourself um she was in nxt not so long ago she had a great match with natalia on a takeover yes. um which i don't think natalia's come near or had the opportunity to come near since um she she's made unbelievable improvement over what four or five years and the position she's in so she's not doing anything wrong and I, I don't really have a problem with her it's just right now obviously Becky's so white hot that anybody else seems less uh, compared to her yeah yeah definitely but I, I love Charlotte's um, heel persona I think she's actually knocking knocking it out of the park at the moment definitely. but uh, the match only goes two minutes uh, between Ronda Rousey and Ruby Riot. So Ruby Riot was kind of almost an afterthought, to be honest with you, with everything that's going on um, leading up to WrestleMania with the the Raw Women's Championship. Um, but uh, Ronda starts the match by by ragdolling uh, Ruby around the ring to start off with. Ruby nails the champ with a stiff forearm, but Rousey hits a Piper's Pit before pointing at the WrestleMania sign and then slapping on her armbar for the finish. And like I say, the match only went two minutes, but that was more of the kind of the side to what happened next um, Rousey points at Charlotte who gets into the ring after the match to confront the champ uh, when we see Becky Lynch coming through the crowd on a pair of crutches um, and nobody attempts to stop Becky who's meant to be suspended Where, where's the where's the security David no, <laughs> what, 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 <laughs> what happened you know she's just, she's just a fan I'm sure you know who, who wouldn't they stop a fan from going into the ring but no, um, no. so obviously they, they let her go into the ring there's loud Becky chants loud she's the man chants as she gets into the ring 
Uh, Becky lays a vicious attack um, into Charlotte with one of her crutches. Um, some of these crutch shots with the crutches were, were absolutely brutal. Uh, then uh, Ronda picks up the second crutch before walking towards Charlotte as if she's about to attack her WrestleMania opponent. But then Becky then attacks Ronda from behind with her crutch, uh, laying in a vicious attack on the champion, even cutting Ronda Rousey open on the side of the head. Now that was pretty brutal. And like I say, some really stiff shots here. And um, if, if this is what we're going to get leading up to WrestleMania, then I'm all in. Definitely all in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you went there. But uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's exactly how it should be. We're, we're almost getting, we've had that comparison with Becky before, the, the female um, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and it's very much reminiscent of that back and forth build, which is exactly what it needs to be. I just felt sorry um, for Ruby being the sacrificial lamb in the yeah. two-minute um, Mortal Kombat-inspired fatality. Um, it's such a shame, and especially as she got a much more uh, competitive match afterwards for the next as tends to happen after pay-per-views, you get rematches and um, even better matches usually. Uh, I do feel sorry for Ruby, as I say, because she's a very uh, competent wrestler and I think she doesn't get half of what she deserves, but that is that is what it is. We're in um, the, the hype of Charlotte, the, the triangle of you know Charlotte, Ronda and uh, Becky. But, of course. Yeah, it's, it, was, it was angle more than match, wasn't it, really? It, that was, as you said, the side dish to this main um, plot between the three of them. You've got the, the middle ground of Ronda and the, the super heel of Charlotte, and then Becky is the, the crowd favourite, you know, the people's champion almost, uh, not taking any disrespect away from The Rock, but, um, you know, and I uh, said that security needs shooting because obviously they're like, <laughs> oh, well, she, she, she's cute, let's let her in. That, that, that's the only thing I can think. That's it. Well, well, security do eventually get involved once uh, I'm, I'm sure they were, you know, told off by their by their boss for uh, not acting sooner. But they do escort Becky out of the arena, and uh, that was a, a really excellent segment to extend the storyline between these three as we get ever closer to WrestleMania. Uh, the next match on the card was Baron Corbin versus Braun Strowman, and this was a no DQ match. Uh, so uh, Corbin gets in some kendo stick shots on Braun to start the match. Uh, Braun then breaks the stick over his knee, saying that he doesn't need a kendo stick to kick Corbin's ass uh, Corbin launches an office chair at Strowman uh, which Strowman catches and tosses to one side um, and um, was, was it Strowman that threw the office chair at Roman Reigns a couple of years back David that was uh, quite a fun spot and, um, you will probably remember it better than I yeah. do I can't remember that one <laughs> uh, knocked him sideways but on, the, on this occasion Strowman uh, tossed it to one side uh, Strowman runs uh, into the steel ring steps which Corbin then uses as a weapon to injure uh, the arm of the big man Corbin mocks Strowman until Strowman smashes Corbin with a splash in the corner and then a big boot. Um, Strowman then power slams Corbin through a table previously set up in the corner and then we get Drew McIntyre um, who comes down to the ring with a steel chair in hand followed closely by Bobby Lashley who we spoke about earlier. Um, both men then attack Strowman down with steel chair shots. Uh, McIntyre nails Strowman with a headbutt. Lashley follows up with a spear. McIntyre executes a claymore kick to Strowman before the heel Trio set up a stack of tables in the ring and then they execute a triple power bomb sending Strowman through the stack of tables. Corbin then covers um, and wins this no DQ match thanks uh, in no small part to the outside interference from Lashley and McIntyre. So um, for what it was, it was an okay DQ match. I know no DQ match. I know they had a, um, another encounter the following night on Monday Night Raw. What was your take on this match, David? Uh I'm going to be a little bit harsh on this one. I, I didn't. I didn't really enjoy it. Mostly, my first observation was how much heat has gone off Braun. Uh, you 
think about how yeah. white hot he was when he was doing his whole tipping over of everything in sight. And uh, I think it's a, a big backward step for all of them, to be honest with you. I mean, just a few weeks or less ago, we were talking about Drew and the argument of um, world champion, and it seems like they've gone back to where they were before. I think a, another you know side problem to this is a lot of... Um, confusing booking people are going from face to heel um you know braun was a face then he got with that group and he was a heel and then he was a face again before yeah. you know it and and you expect baron to do something underhanded because he's this gm type character that was and you know you know he's always going to have an extra card to play but again it felt more like angle than match and and brought baron's become very predictable and his moveset on the main roster I find I, I can't imagine he did as like as little when he was in NXT I seem to remember him doing a little more um, than he does it seems all of his matches now are based around doing that little running spot around the corner and getting back in the ring and clothesline on somebody then slapping them in the chin lock maybe um, you know a bit of a deep six and then end of days if he can get it on the person not like he's going to really get that on Strowman but he had to go to extreme lengths I think another thing that hurt the match slightly was the amount of time it took them to set up that spot um, but it, to me I think uh, Braun needs reheating if he's going to have any big Wrestlemania match of any you know consequence but he just doesn't seem to be where he was even a few months ago and I think it's a big backward step especially for Drew I don't know what as I said before they're going to do with Lashley and Corbin is just he's, he's, he's almost starting to get boss man and X-Pac yeah. in his worst time type of heat where people just like go away Corbin come back when you know when we care about you again he's so, definitely got go away heat yeah yeah definitely yeah finishing move limited specializing in simple stylish and versatile items to elevate your everyday check out their instagram at finishing move limited and find their elevated essentials range at finishingmovelimited.com Let's have a look at the, the main events for the WWE Championship, the Elimination Chamber main event. Um, now, the combatants were Kofi Kingston, who was only added um, less than a week ago. He replaced the injured Mustafa Ali, as we all know. Um, Jeff Hardy, Randy Orton, who, as we know, he won the gauntlet match on Tuesday, uh, SmackDown on Tuesday. So he'll be coming out of the last pod uh, to finish the match. AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, and, of course, the new Daniel Bryan, the WWE champion so brian comes out with eric rowan to start off with uh, they're, they're on the ramp uh brian with mike in hand he calls the fans fickle he blasts the ww management for him being uh, first in the gauntlet match last week and first in the elimination chamber match tonight so the start of the match uh, we start with daniel bryan and samoa joe to start the match with brian appearing hesitant to even fight samoa joe to start off with so before we start getting into all the various spots uh, in this match david um was you looking forward to this match and um kind of you know who in particular were you looking forward to, to seeing go up against one another in this elimination chamber main event that certainly was and you know it's obviously that i'm going to see kofi kingston but one thing i've got to mention before all of that when you were talking about daniel bryan mm. i mean at first i wasn't buying into this eco warrior character 100 percent, but that recycle logo was an absolute masterstroke by whoever decided <laughs> to put that in the graphic, whether it was on the, the belt um, when it comes up in the screen or on, on. I just thought that was fantastic and I was laughing my head off at that. And uh, as he said, he, he completely didn't want to um, have anything to do with Samoa Joe at the start of the match, uh, doing his best to run out the time until somebody else could join the match. And the whole character is just really catching fire now and. 
uh, as much as like people want to see him beat, he's the right choice going forward, isn't he? Definitely, definitely. So Brian does eventually uh, get into the ring with Joe. Joe levels uh, Daniel Bryan with some huge chops before dropping uh, Bryan with a power bomb, before turning it into a Boston Crab and then transitioning into a cross face and then a double arm bar. So uh, some fantastic moves from Samoa Joe to uh, kickstart this match. Kofi, Kofi Kingston is the next person into the match on the five minute mark um, and it's like a, a ball of fury attacking everybody else in the ring uh, we then get Kofi launching himself from 15 feet off of the, the side of the cage down onto Samoa Joe and Daniel Bryan onto the metal surround of the ring Joe then uh, wallops Brian with some stiff chops on the outside of the ring before AJ Style gets out, out of his pod. He's the next one to enter the match. Um, Styles hits a phenomenal forearm um, to the back of Brian's back with Brian trying to climb the chamber to, uh, to, to you know, up the side of the ring. AJ Styles then eliminates Samoa Joe with a phenomenal forearm. So the pinfalls are starting to, to happen here. The match is starting to get uh, uh, quite fast and furious. Jeff Hardy is next into the match, uh, immediately going after AJ and Brian. Hardy then launches himself from the top of the pod to nail AJ with a swanton, uh, only to be nailed with a running knee from Daniel Bryan, allowing him to cover and get the three count on Jeff Hardy. Uh, Randy Orton is the last man to exit his pod after winning the gauntlet match last week, as I mentioned, who immediately goes after AJ Styles, who is uh, hung up in the corner. AJ picks up, sorry, Randy Orton picks up AJ off the top rope. Um, he's about to hit a phenomenal forearm, only to be uh, caught with an RKO out of nowhere. And AJ Styles is the next one eliminated by Randy Orton. So this leaves uh, Kofi Kingston, um, Randy Orton, and Daniel Bryan as the last three in the match. Kind of, how are you feeling at this point during the match, David? Um, it's starting to get uh, quite exciting. We're not down to the final two yet, but um, some good action so far. There were some good exchanges. Um, you kind of knew what to expect from everybody, where they were going to like come in with their spots, whether it was a, a senton bomb or a phenomenal forearm or eventually the RKO, and you just wondered how Orton's going to... But that, that's not necessarily a bad thing, you know. I, I did like the uh, phenomenal forearm, which he alluded to a few seconds ago yeah. against the cage. There always seems to be a spot like that. I, I don't know uh, anybody like how anybody feels about it, if, whether or not the, the pattern outside detracted from it. Obviously, they've got to protect people a bit and I know I think AJ was coming into this match with uh, a bit banged up and you know and there's some injuries as I'm sure they all are in some way or another um, the pattern kind of took a because I always remember you know when a wrestler would go over the top rope and onto that that sort of metal frame that's on the outside it, that the crang you know the noise the noise it just kind of seemed to add with but they do need to protect the wrestlers and it's a very different pod than the first one that we we saw to begin with the elimination chamber itself yeah. so but it, it was exciting back and forth action and it, it, it was almost a match of two halves wasn't it we had the eliminations we had the back and forth of different moves as we and and joe was great the only the only problem i have with his move set is when he does that um the power bomb and then you know it's, it's going to transition but then he transitioned into those overs and it was so smooth and nice that you could almost forgive really the was. predictability of the the earlier moves but and, and then obviously we get on to where we became next. Which there we I'll go. Let you carry on. <laughs> so, so, so essentially, uh, it's down to the final three. But then Kofi eliminates Randy Orton with his trouble in paradise, bringing everyone to their feet uh, with the thought that Kofi could be the new WWE champion. There's this huge Kofi chance, and it's down to just Daniel Bryan.
O'Brien and Kofi Kingston as a face-off in the centre of the ring. Uh, Kofi had everybody bite him uh, on pretty much everything he did um, after nailing a trouble in paradise and then he hits his SOS onto Brian for a very close near fall. Uh, Brian shouts at Kofi saying that he doesn't deserve to be in there with him. However, um, he, he gets another near pinfall on the champ with a pair of double knees to the chest of Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan then launches Kofi into one of the pods before hitting his running knee for the closest near fall of the match so far. Uh, so many close near falls in this match. The fans were biting on absolutely everything that Kofi did uh, with everyone on their feet and all willing Kofi on to win. Um, so we're getting close to the end of the match now. Both men find their way onto the top of another pod where Kofi eventually manages to kick Bryan from the top turnbuckle to the canvas before attempting a huge frog splash from the top of one of the pods only for Bryan to move. Kofi misses his target, allowing Brian to hit his running knee and then pinning Kofi to win the match and to retain his championship after 35 minutes. I thought it was an excellent match and a, kind of a match of two halves, really, where you had everybody in the ring, all the eliminations, and then the final 10 or 15 minutes were just Kofi and Daniel. I thought it was an excellent way. Really great storytelling. Everybody was into this match um, and the fans absolutely loved it. I know I did watching it from home. Um, a, a great way to end uh, this match and another advert for what you can do if you put somebody in this position like Kofi Kingston, like I say a last minute replacement for Mustafa Ali and I think he, he, he did himself proud and uh, could set himself up for uh, you know some, some championship matches somewhere down the line but um, a, a really good match here David and Kofi Kingston was the star of the match once again yes um, 100% yes but I think the, the the mechanics of that despite the fact that I, in my head 99.9% .9 knew that Daniel Bryan was coming out of there as champion they managed to create that reasonable doubt where you thought that Kofi was going to do it you know a lot of people have been pessimistic and said oh everybody's just jumping on the Kofi Kingston bandwagon but if anybody's watched Kofi Kingston from the moment that he debuted on uh, Raw or whatever it was uh, back in 2008 2007 something like that yeah. um, he, he's never phoned it in he always puts the effort in it doesn't matter if he was on a superstars or a, a main show so you couldn't not be a supporter of Kofi Kingston whether you like the, the hokey gimmick of um, the New Day or not I, I find it entertaining more often than not you know and maybe it does hold the characters back to a certain extent at this point who knows but you know we'll get past all that 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 segment between Daniel Bryan, Daniel Bryan sorry and Kofi Kingston was excellent it, it, it created that doubt that he's going to do it it, was, it could have been a feel good moment you know and even if he didn't win it's not a the push of Kofi Kingston is not a knock against Kofi Kingston. He's more now than he was before this. He was a, a team player in, in New Day and now he's a competent contender for a world title. And you know we hear noises that he's possibly going to be facing Daniel Bryan at Fastlane. We don't know for sure if that's going to happen or not, but he certainly deserves it. I don't think anybody could dispute that. Well, I was going to ask, where does that leave Kofi going from here? I think he is deserving of a one-on-one -on -one match against Daniel Bryan for the for the WWE Championship, and it could very well be at Fastlane. I think all indications are that that's certainly the plans um, after SmackDown and after the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. So that, that that would certainly be an excellent match if they were to face at Fastlane in a few a few weeks' time. But Mustafa Ali, your heart must go out to him for, oh, for, for, for not being included in this match. And the question is, you know, with everything that Kofi Kingston achieved over the last week or so, could that have been Mustafa Ali in that spot and could that have been Mustafa Ali taking Daniel Bryan to the limit? Does this does this 
add another uh, dimension to the Mustafa Ali character in the long run. You know that he's, uh, you know, a, a fan favourite now, and he's, if you're not wowed by his aerials and stuff, then younger fans are wowed by his image of you know with the flashing lights on his gear and more, mm. almost Mortal Kombat esque. And you know, he's a, he's an amazing athlete. He's even a, a very good promo. I find when the little segments that he does are very different to a lot of what you get the standard backstage stuff you get on SmackDown, where he's outside in the streets and things like that. Yeah. I think he's a really competent talker, and it, it doesn't matter if he's a small guy or not. Because to, let's be honest, all, all the way through the '90s and you know even beyond, always. Vince's most reliable worker, despite what you might see about Vince's obsession with giants because mm. they look great in a, a box when you're trying to sell a toy, were always the Shawn Michaels, the Bret Hart's, the Kurt Angles, and people like that. So I think he does know, people say he's out of touch, but I think he does know in the back of his mind that these smaller guys are always the guys he can rely on to bring the fans back to, you know, bring uh, generate that excitement where maybe the big guys aren't always getting it done if they're not over as well as they might be, whether that's management's fault or down the individual who knows but people like Mustafa Ali and people like we mentioned Leo Rush and Kofi and everybody can build the, you know, an excitement level and, and a, maybe a different product that we've been begging for on especially the flagship show Raw yeah definitely so I thought Elimination Chamber was a good show definitely enjoyed the opening match yeah. the women's uh, Elimination uh, Chamber match for the new tag team championships uh, really enjoyed the main event I thought that the closing 10 or 15 minutes with uh, Kofi Kingston and Daniel Bryan was outstanding I certainly remember that part of the match for a long time to come I asked you earlier on in the day before uh, we, we hooked up tonight to think about WrestleMania and after this pay-per-view where you think that the card is heading. Um, so I, I think we all know, although it's not official yet, that Ronda Rousey will be defending her championship against Charlotte and Becky Lynch. That, that will almost certainly be a triple threat match. Um, it looks like we're set to have Brock Lesnar defend his Universal Championship against Seth Rollins. Now, looking at Daniel Bryan, uh, we just spoke about him from Sunday night. Who do you think he'll be going up against uh, in, in April? Now, will it be Kofi? Could it be Samoa Joe? I mean, who, who's on your radar to face uh, Daniel Bryan? I, 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 honestly, I've, I've thought about this in the in the you know time since he asked about WrestleMania, and I cannot honestly see a clear contender unless they're going to spread this out, you know, across a couple of pay per views with Kofi. I can't really see. Mm somebody standing head and shoulders above the rest the rest of the field on SmackDown especially are more uh, heel orientated with um, Orton and uh, Samoa Joe and I don't know if that makes for the, the best kind of headline Wrestlemania match and maybe it's somebody we're not even considering or maybe we could end up with a, a triple threat with Kofi and um, Mustafa Ali which I'm all for that you would know? be fun but uh, um, they'll probably go in a completely different direction that we never saw coming out of left field but um, Daniel Bryan uh, for me, I'd love to see Kofi or Mustafa Ali or a combination of all three. Have you heard about the, the rumours of John Cena possibly oh, going God. up against Daniel Bryan at <laughs> WrestleMania 35? <laughs> so obviously the original plan was for John Cena to uh, uh, face Lars Sullivan at uh, WrestleMania and who knows what's happened to Lars Sullivan over the last few weeks. We've not seen um, any promos or anything from him at all. But um, John Cena um, would almost, well, say he's always had his WrestleMania spot. He's always had his WrestleMania moment last year. It was against The Undertaker. There's uh, rumours out there that um, he could be 
going after his 17th championship, possibly against Daniel Bryan in April. So well, they have pulled off some good matches between the two of them in the past, David. Uh, so that it won't be, um, uh, you know, as, as uh, you know, uh, probably as, as good as their matches they've had in the past. Certainly their match at SummerSlam 2013 was outstanding. Um, but uh, who knows? I, I don't know for certain. That's just a rumour going around anyway. Um, what about Finn Balor, the new Intercontinental Champion? So I'm assuming that he'll still be champ come uh, WrestleMania. Any thoughts on that? Mm, I'm trying to think down the field and who who he's got left. Maybe Drew, but that, again, that kind of demotes Drew. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm trying not to sound negative against Finn or Drew because I think either of them could slot into the main event picture just as easily as uh, in a continental title match. Yeah. But you know, right now they seem to be not wanting to fully pull the trigger on Drew and I don't know if that's going to backfire in the long run where it's going to be too little too late like it often happens with people when they want that thing now and maybe sometimes it's too soon but I think Drew right now is in the position where he's still young enough he, he's got the look he's maybe not the greatest promo but he, he's you know he doesn't need to be he's the bad guy at the moment and the killer you know as long yeah. as he keeps coming out and murdering people and, and you know and, and he's been put over the likes of Dean Ambrose and stuff like that. and I found a, a weird thing and I'm sure we'll get to that in a minute with Raw, but a, a weird sort of dynamic going on with um, Rollins and and Dean Ambrose again now, where you almost as soon as you see the two of them together, you're thinking, are they going to have a little like another Shield reunion here? You know, it's, if you know, uh, hopefully Roman's going to be in some condition for that. But it's it's a very sort of a weird sort of dynamic that's going on at the moment, where there's no clear cut picture of where they're going with the Daniel Bryan's title and. Cena, again, I'm not the biggest fan of Cena, but a WrestleMania marquee matchup where you've got a lot of casual fans and young kids and, you know, not necessarily the same audience that watches Die Hard every single week, WWE, yeah. um, that is, it makes sense, it's the superhero against the supervillain, isn't it, you know, so, but I think for a lot of, again, more older fans like myself, it would be, oh God, here's Cena again, coming out of left field, part-time, and just getting inserted into the main event. The biggest problem with WrestleMania, of course, is the problem they've created for themselves, is they haven't developed anybody enough to kind of take over that main event scene um, where we can have old new marquee matchups. We're still relying a lot on older talent like Brock Lesnar yeah, and Undertaker and stuff like that. But, yeah. you know, and, and we talked about this the last time we were together, the, the fact that they need to start to develop back to the days where you had four, five, six headliners that were capable of carrying a main event and it, they've, they've done it to themselves and, and unfortunately it causes a lot of eye rolling for fans like myself. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's have a look at the SmackDown Women's Champion. So, Asuka, she, we've not seen Asuka since the Royal Rumble when uh, she defeated Becky Lynch in the opening match there, and we spoke about that a few weeks ago. But is there any obvious contenders to Asuka's championship? Who might she face at WrestleMania? Any names that spring to mind? Well, it seems to be that a lot of noises are being made for uh, Lacey Evans to get a super uh, push, but uh, is she really ready for uh, Asuka, as Asuka says herself? But, uh, <laughs> It would need to be a hellish build, and I don't know if fans would be ready to buy into that. Apparently, the reason she came out at um, the Elimination Chamber was just to keep her in people's minds as a new character, um, and you know, make sure they were aware that she's around. And, and aside from her, you, you've got some pretty slim pickings on there because uh, everybody's into this the, the over world title, women's world title. Um, 
much. Um, I don't really know. It's outside of Lacey, you've only really got the likes of Nikki Cross, who's been like you know she's jumping Raw SmackDown, whatever, and now she seems to be. Um, I say mired in a team with uh, Alicia Fox for God knows whatever reason, but um, there isn't again any clear cut contender that I could think if they're going to go with Lacey, she's going to have to really beat some people, you know. But mm. uh, I, I don't know. Uh, maybe reheat somebody like Mickey James. She's fairly competent, but I, I don't. I don't think anybody could believably think that she'd um, beat her and you know win a record title or whatever it is, you know. So. Yeah. Uh, again, they've left themselves with a not very deep, in, uh, competent contenders, and it's not really a case of because of all the talent. Even they've, they've got the talent there, but no, there's so much parity booking where if somebody beats somebody one week and somebody beats somebody the next, there's there's no real. Oh, she stands out. That would be a really good match. Maybe surprise people and bring somebody up from NXT and build them for a few weeks. And you know, they're they're beating everybody. Nobody can stop them. And Asuka so comes out and says, "Well, you can't beat me." You know. Yeah. I'd sooner they did that than just throw somebody out there that you know hasn't got a snowball's chance in hell. Well, on that subject, I know it, it probably won't happen, but I'd love to see Shayna come up and uh, she could be a decent contender to ask her. And I think that would, that would be a really strong match between two uh, very similar characters, very you no know, nonsense yeah. uh, killers. So super they're... heel, super heel, and uh, you know, and, and again, that would reheat Asuka to do what she does best, you know, and have an opponent where she's she's not having to pull her punches, and you know, and I mean, Shayna will just take anything that she's willing to dish out and then come back with some, you know. And it, uh, uh, to be honest, that's a really good idea. So, yeah. You know, I, I agree to knowledge. Well, <laughs> with, the, uh, with the NXT call-ups on Monday Night Raw, you never know. We might get one or two NXT call-ups on, on SmackDown this evening. So uh, who knows? We'll have to we'll have to watch this space. We, 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 I think we're fairly confident that The Miz and Shane McMahon will almost certainly face one another at WrestleMania. Well, certainly yeah. that, that's kind of what's going around the, the rumour mill. Uh, another match that I've heard uh, some rumblings about, definitely based on... Uh, last Tuesday, SmackDown and the Elimination Chamber could be Randy Orton versus AJ Styles. Now, although I've never been the biggest Randy Orton fan, that looks like quite a tasty match. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Orton has done a, got gone great lengths to um, kind of uh, make yourself interesting again. There was a time when every time Orton came out on screen, he looked like he wanted to be everywhere but there. But this, mm. you know, um, new. Um, especially in the feud recently with Jeff Hardy where he was going absolutely extreme lengths and it, it started to make people think well maybe they're going back to the days where we had a little bit more edginess we've seen a little bit more edginess and even the likes of the New Day and the, the risky things that the especially Big E's starting to see so yeah, it would be an interesting match and it, it always you're waiting with Orton, you know what to expect, but you're always waiting to see how he's going to get that RKO in, and AJ is yes. going to bring out the best of him. But AJ doesn't have bad matches, so you know it, it, it's an interesting, if if well travelled path to go in. But uh, it, again, it's uh, I don't know, it's 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 a WrestleMania like back in the day. Obviously, we had where you would be looking forward to WrestleMania half a year away from it, and and now it's 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 like the need to start building. This, they've had this period of weather, uh, I don't know, um, just sitting on the laurels a bit and relying on um, big name talent from the past, but I think it's now the time, they've got enough talent in all the different departments, whether, and even out of left field, we haven't even mentioned you know NXT UK, and you, you never know who could come from there, I mean Pete Dunne, there's been talks of him coming up, uh, how about him versus Finn Balor, you know what I mean, mm. <laughs> I'd, I'd watch that, but um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's hard because WrestleMania isn't what necessarily we wanted these you know diehard fans and stuff like that it's the biggest 
uh, stage of the year and it's the it's the time when the celebrities come out and you want the 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 biggest card possible for yeah. everybody that would have the most eyes on the product so it's not necessarily what we want but what makes most sense financially and you know everything else well definitely one name that i was going to bring up earlier but uh, i mentioned shayna instead to, to a possible opponent for asuka that's been knocking around the room merely is maybe nikki bella with regards to you know, oh. ma- ma- mainstream exposure and uh, wanting to push mm. total bellas and total divas and she's got that uh, uh, celebrity uh, celebrity endorsement uh, celebrity persona outside of wwe um for that mainstream publicity and that ex- uh, that kind of mainstream exposure um that's another name that's been knocking around as a possible opponent for asuka we haven't seen or heard from nikki bella since the evolution pay-per-view but uh, yeah. that's just another rumor that i heard but um yes yeah, i could imagine them definitely going with that because again as you said it's a marquee name whether we like it or not uh, yeah. but um it, it still lends itself to what we've talked about is the uh, relying on not necessarily she's not an old star but she's uh, one that people have seen and you know especially now with new and exciting products coming up the need to be looked as be cutting edge at least going past wrestlemania and once we get past the, the big marquee matchups there the fans need to feel like we're not just going to sit through another um raw a, a year of raw where we're just watching the same matches rehashed and you know and different versions of the same match um we need to start to say all right well he's coming up and and she's coming up and you know we're getting the new stars out there so I'm sure the WrestleMania card is going to develop, um, say, very, very fast as the kind of days and weeks progress. I think we're only seven weeks from WrestleMania now, so more matches will become more apparent um, every single week. And uh, I'm sure this time next week we'll probably have another one or two matches that uh, will almost certainly be on the card in April. Just want to have a little look at what happened on Monday Night Raw last night. So a lot of what I do on Wrestling With John is covers uh, NXT from Full Sail on a weekly basis and their, their takeover shows. Now, there were four notable NXT names that showed up on Monday Night Raw. Now, it was suggested on the programme last night that they were kind of uh, there as permanent additions to the roster um, that that hasn't been 100% confirmed but we saw uh, a graphic at the beginning of the show Triple H introducing uh, Ricochet who'd be featured on uh, Monday Night Raw last night Tommaso Ciampa Johnny Gargano and Alistair Black so when you first kind of heard about this did, did, did you kind of immediately go into dread and worry about how they would be used on the show and um, what, what, what was your kind of impression when you first found out that they were they were called up as of last night to be honest, uh, in short term, I, I knew it would make for a much more exciting role. Unfortunately, it was completely beyond their control how the crowd reacted to it. Um, it seemed that a lot of people um, were unfamiliar with them, despite you know their exposure on um, not just like takeovers and NXT, but even you know on crossover shows and YouTube and everywhere else in between. Halftime but, heat. Uh, yeah, I had the feel exactly in which was mentioned on the show, uh, Ricochet especially on that, and it, I just I, I did feel for them somewhat that the the, the role last night was just it was a competent show. It was it wasn't bad. It, 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 we didn't have you know Baron Corbin and Braun Strowman ad nauseum uh, like we had them a bit, but not loads. And it, it felt like the show flowed, and we had the revival on, and we had against Champa and Gargano and. They're all in, in prominent positions. Bala with um, Ricochet and you know Alistair Black being the millionth person interrupt Elias and <laughs> yeah you know, and but 
the, the action was there and the, everybody was given the effort, but when the crowd is like that, it's it's going to deflate things, unfortunately, and it's not going mean, to... I think everybody, you know, competed to the extent of what the, is expected on a roar, and, but unfortunately, the audience let them down. Yeah, I, mean, I think one common complaint um, on, on, online is um, about how the wrestlers were portrayed. I mean, you look at Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano, they've been warring for best part of two years now on NXT. Um, you know, are they back together? Aren't they back together as, as DIY Dark? Uh, but, but Tommaso Ciampa was, was almost portrayed as a, a babyface on last night's show. And uh, that must have confused uh, a lot of his fans and a lot of regular viewers of NXT. Yeah, I think that's a problem wholesale with WWE at the moment. You know, this week's hero is next week's villain and then back again and rinse and repeat, you know, and that's that's a problem which is causing that sort of indifference to, oh, he's oh he's beating him up this week, but he'll be teaming with him next week, you know, which is weird. I think right now, hopefully, I'd, I'd hope with um, Champa and Gargano that they're doing the, I'm using you and you're using me, you know, mm-hmm. we're not really going back to DIY, we're just trying to get as far, and maybe, you know, Gargano's using that position to look at his title and say, oh, lad, that's a trophy case now that I'm Johnny Winner and I like the feeling of... So, but that'll probably most likely happen on NXT because Raw's not got that much foresight in its book and usually, you know, you, with when it comes to NXT, the reason why we love it is because they build things and they've got the time to build things over a number of months. Raw's created its own problem by going a million miles an hour and matches are booked a week before a pay-per-view or a day before a pay-per-view and how are you supposed to get invested and care about something like that so and and for Champa to be portrayed as, as any type of fan favorite after the excellent work that they've all done whether it was you know booking or Champa himself um is absolutely unfathomable to be honest Hmm. be interesting to see how they treat these characters going forward um, and it, it'll also be interesting to see you know the, the crossover as well because of course we've still got uh, uh, weeks of tape in the can from their full sale tapings from a couple of weeks ago and you know uh, another set of tapings I'm sure um, as we get closer to uh, NXT in, in, in April NXT takeover in April so you know are we going to see you know two different worlds here with Tommaso Ciampa Johnny Gargano Ricochet and uh, Alistair Black being portrayed slightly differently on Raw and then slightly differently again on NXT. So it'll be interesting to see if there's any crossover there or any continuity with regards to their characters. Um, obviously, you, you know we know that uh, Vince has got a tight reins on um, on Raw and Triple H obviously uh, has the final say over everything on, on NXT and unfortunately hasn't quite got control of, of the main uh, main roster shows yet. Um, but um, it'll be interesting to see how the characters develop if they're used on a week-to-week basis. I mean, I did suggest on the Facebook group that this might just be kind of, you know, a one-off appearance or maybe they'd just be used sparingly um, just to slowly introduce them to a new audience. Um, But, uh, you know, I think it's a positive sign in a sense that we're seeing these four excellent talents on Monday Night Raw. Definitely, you know, it it helps to push the product forward. You know, four very capable wrestlers. I mean, I thought Tommaso Ciampa and Gargano versus The Revival last night was a fantastic match, the best match on the card. And um, it was almost shades of their matches on NXT to be perfectly honest with you um alistair black didn't really get much of a reception from from the fans to be honest with you um and and, and got, i thought the ricochet did eventually get himself over with his uh, with his uh, with his fantastic moves um in the ring as he 
partnered Finn Balor against Lashley and uh, Leo Rush. So it, it wasn't all bad. And like I say, I think that in the long run, if they're handled correctly, um, you know, it could be a, a positive for the show. Definitely since they kind of seem to be developing um, uh, more of a, a wrestling, uh, more of a, a serious approach towards their, their angles and uh, matches as opposed to getting away from the kind of comical stuff, I should say. Yeah, I mean, um, obviously we've heard tell that um, Fox and um, the like want a more serious um, sports-oriented product. Yeah. Uh, and as you mentioned, um, they all helped um, create a bit of freshness and excitement mm-hmm. on Raw, which has been sadly lacking. So hopefully that's the intention, uh, to kind of bring that forward. Because as Daniel Bryan and Kofi Kingston proved, we don't need you know um, all the bells and whistles just build a, a, a believable you know contest between two really good athletes and uh, excellent athletes in fact and you don't you don't need all the gaga and uh, NXT is proof of that NXT is the absolute you know the 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 standard for that it's like um if you want to watch good wrestling that's built up and characters are built up but they're, they're not such um, outlandish characters that you can't believe in them you know they're not superheroes or whatever they're, they've all got the different niche but the, the work is, is wrestlers first and foremost and they've all got the little you know um, foibles that make them different there we go well david that that draws us uh, to an, another end of wrestling with so thank you very much once again for coming along um now if, if anybody wants to kind of get in touch with you or kind of um listen to your thoughts on pro wrestling where can they find you on on facebook or on twitter um you are on social media where can people get in touch with you david um moaning and groaning daily on facebook um um obviously um a few people know that uh run the turn and heel group which tends to um, if anybody who goes on there needs to be aware that it's the vent page it's basically where you go on not the not in a, you know it, it's constructive criticism it's you know, we don't like this but we'd like to see it go here which is what we we're doing right here isn't it you know yeah. we we want to see the best of things sometimes you have to take a step a lot of fans don't understand that they think you're being negative for the sake of being negative getting yourself over whatever whatever um but turn and heal and the, uh, run the NXT generation, which I don't get on as long as much as I like to, but I like to keep the word out there for people that want to know what's going on behind the scenes and don't necessarily have the time to troll no DQ and all the rest of them, all these pages and you know, and, and I'll always do updates if the if it turns out that it's absolute rubbish like the Corey Graves thing, blah blah blah, whatever it is. So find me on Facebook, find me on t- Turn and Heal, uh, find me on the NXT generation. Just send us a message or hopefully see us back on here. <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, thank you very much. Dave. David, and we'll definitely have you back. Uh, we'll have to discuss, uh, possibly the fast lane pay per view might be a good opportunity to, to get you yep. back uh, back on wrestling with Jonas. But uh, thank you once again, and uh, do appreciate all your help on today's episode. Uh, no so, so I hope you've all enjoyed uh, this episode of Wrestling with Jonas. Um, if you did, please don't forget to hit that subscribe and shout about the podcast. Tell your friends, tell your families, and keep listening to Wrestling with Jonas for all of your NXT and NXT UK updates. Um, I try to get at least a couple of podcasts out per week. Um, so uh, don't forget to shout about us. You can catch us on pretty much anywhere where you download your podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean. I even upload to YouTube, uh, Podcast Addict, Anchor, and wherever you get your podcasts. Like I said, we're literally everywhere. Once again, if you want to get in touch with the show, you can email us, wrestlingwithjohners at gmail.com. 
You can get in touch with us on Twitter at withjohnners underscore pod and on Instagram and Facebook. Just search Wrestling With Johnners and you will find us. Uh, like and subscribe us there. So thank you very much. Once again, we'll be back later on in the week for another episode of Wrestling With Johnners covering NXT and NXT UK. But in the meantime, thank you very much for listening and see you all soon. Mm-hmm.